I'm Monica Schmelter, and I'm glad that you could join us for Bridges today. Today, we're going to take a look at a story in the Bible that I've entitled The Big Ask, because in the day and time in which this story unfolds, the young married woman, Aksa, who makes this ask, it is considered a very big ask, and really, according to the customs and the culture of the day, she had no business to make this ask. Now, of all the times that I've gone through the Bible, I really don't remember ever reading the word Aksa, that name. Her name means adorned. It means bursting the veil. It also means courageous. So Aksa is the only daughter of Caleb. And probably most of us, while we don't know Aksa's name, we know Caleb because Caleb was one of the 12 spies that was sent to spy out the promised land. And Caleb and Joshua were only the two out of the 12 that brought back a faith-filled report. Now, they, no they noted that there were giants and that there were problems in the land, but they said, basically, God says we can do this, so we are going to go in and do it. But because of the 10 negative reports and all the, the murmuring and so forth, God ends up saying to them, you are going to wander for 40 more years in the wilderness instead of going into the promised land now. So that kind of catches you up. We're going to pick up in a part where they are already in the promised land. And Caleb has this daughter. And in the time in which he lives, one of the best things that a dad can do for her daughter when she grows up is find her a really good husband. And the reason for that is they're living in a really patriarchal culture. Women don't own property. Everything comes through the husband. And so Caleb, he is a really good dad. He's a strong man of faith. His name means wholehearted devotion to God. So here's what Caleb does. I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version today, starting with Joshua 15. And it says there, And he went up from there against the inhabitants of Debur. Now the name of Debur formerly was Kiriath-Sephir. And Caleb said, Whoever strikes Kiriath-Sephir and captures it to him, I will give Aksa, my daughter, as a wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it. And he gave Aksa, his daughter, as a wife. When she came to him, she urged him, she's speaking of her husband now, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she got off her donkey, which is a sign of respect, and Caleb, her father, says to her, what do you want? She said to him, give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of Negev, give me also springs of water. And he, meaning Caleb, gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. So these six sh short scriptures tell us this story they name a young woman who isn't mentioned any place else in the Bible. And there's tons of commentaries on Aksa and what she did. And remember that in this day and age, women don't ask their dads for things. The property goes to the husband. All the things go to the husband. The woman really isn't involved in any of that. And yet, we see how Caleb takes care of his daughter Aksa 
even against and in spite of the culture and the practices of that, that day. The security of the foundation that Caleb gave to Aksa gave her a sure foundation in her life. So you know that Aksa has to see what a faithful man her dad is against so much opposition. While a time when he had to live as a slave, he did not get angry at God. It isn't noted anywhere that he questioned God, but that he wholly pursued God despite how difficult his circumstances were. You know, we read this short story of people wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, and then um, Joshua and Caleb are the only two allowed into the promised land from that group of people. And we think, well, yay, they're in the promised land. Don't forget, that's 40 years wandering in the wilderness, living basically not their best life that God had for them. And how many times do you think that Caleb and Joshua, it had to run through their mind, but we were the two that gave the good report. And we're out here wandering in the wilderness with all of the negative Nancys and the doubting Thomases. We got punished too. And yet Caleb, the word says, and Joshua as well, Caleb stayed wholeheartedly devoted to God. And that in and of itself is a lesson because Caleb suffered because of the attitudes of other people, because of their sinful behavior of not believing God at his word, he suffered a consequence that he didn't earn. And if we look in our lives, sometimes we suffer consequences of things that we had nothing to do with. Take, for example, someone, and I pray this never happens to any of us, but you have a friend or a family member who's out driving, doing whatever, and a drunk driver hits their car, and that person is killed. All that person's family and friends reaps a consequence that they had nothing to do with. They weren't the ones that chose to drink and drive, and yet the horrific impact of those sinful actions. And what part of this story teaches us about Caleb is while he could have been bitter, while he could have been resentful, while he could have been so mad, and we would get that, he chose to stay wholeheartedly devoted to God. And for you and for me in our lives, whenever we reap a circumstance or a consequence that really we had nothing to do with, it's somebody else's sin, it's somebody else's problem or somebody else's carelessness, we would do well to pray for the strength and the capacity to stay wholeheartedly devoted to Christ, whether we understand the situation or not. But this, the way that Caleb fathered his daughter, the example that she saw, she saw a man that was faithful against some really trying circumstances. So she knew that she had a father of faith. She knew that she had a good dad because Caleb did for Aksa what any good dad of this time would do. If you're living in a patriarchal system, and I know, you know, we'll say, well, we don't get that. Why did they give their daughters away and give gifts? Guys, they did what they did at that time because that's what they did. 
And so we're thousands of years removed for that. That's not the way we do things anymore. But I, I promise you, if they were alive in our time, they would think some of our customs and traditions are just like really crazy. And with as crazy as our world now, they might just pass out at some of the things we do and we think are okay. But he did the best he could by his only daughter. He thought to himself, what I need to do is get her a really good husband. And Aksa knows this. When he says, whoever takes Deber, that one gets my daughter. So she knows that her dad has already provided for her a warrior, a hardworking husband. So she's had this wonderful dad who's given her this great foundation of faith. And now as it's coming time for her to leave the family home, the nest, so to speak, Caleb does what he can do to make sure that she is taken care of, well provided for, for the rest of her life. So truth number one today is you can ask big when you're secure in the father's love. What this story between Aksa and Caleb teaches us is that the reason she was able to ask big was she trusted her father. She trusted his love. She trusted that he was a man of God. She trusted that in their patriarchal system that her dad was doing everything he could to see that she was well provided for. And as parents, don't we do the same thing? When it comes time for our children to grow into adulthood, right? We want to help them have a good launch. We want to help them prepare with maybe a college edu education or a vocational school or they get a house and we go help them paint it and do all the things. I remember when I first got married, I did not hesitate. We were married for about three years. We lived in an apartment. Interest rates were really high compared to today. So you couldn't get much of a house, uh, even if you had good credit with, with money, just because the interest was so high. So my husband and I found this little fixer-upper. It was about only 800 square feet, but it was in a nice neighborhood. But when I say fixer-upper, that's really being generous. It was filthy. It was disgusting. But it was in a good neighborhood, and we got it on a rent with an option to buy it after two years. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So I didn't hesitate to go to my dad because I knew my dad is really handy he liked to paint. He likes to build things. And I said, Dad, will you help Joe and I get this house ready so we can move in? So my dad, my husband's dad, all of our family came around us, ripping up carpet, cleaning, ripping up tile, doing 
what we needed to do to make the house livable, to get the filth, the garbage out of there, to make the walls look better. All of our family came around us to help us. And I never hesitated to ask my dad because I know my dad loves me. I know my dad's good at that. And I knew he would not say no. And in this story of Caleb and Aksa, she has the courage to get off that donkey. And her, her husband, Othniel, he's already been given land. But she wants more. She knows that water, she knows that springs are going to be needed to work that land so that they could be secure in their future. And you notice even the passage of scripture says, even as she gets off that donkey, her dad says, what do you want? So he was a dad that was open. He loved his daughter and she makes her great big ask. And that teaches us that when we are secure in the father's love for us, that we are unafraid to ask big. When we are completely convinced of God's goodness, of his love for us, that he invested his own son's life in us so that we could be saved for all of eternity, but also so that we could be called his children in the midst of a fallen world. In order to ask big of God, we have to know that it's okay. We have to know that he loves us. We have to know that if we've asked for forgiveness from Jesus Christ, that his blood has washed us clean from all sin, that we stand before the Father as holy, sinless, and blameless. So we can come with our big ask. We can come, his word says, boldly in time, in our time of need. We can come boldly for mercy and for grace. This young married woman, Aksa, teaches us this story that we can ask big. The scripture records that she asked her husband to ask for this. And for whatever reason, he didn't do it. So she just got right out there and she's like, dad, give me a blessing. I need some water. And he goes over and above. He gives her the upper and the lower springs. He makes sure that his little girl, who's now a young married woman, is well provided for. So many times we don't take our needs to God. We think, well, that's too small. Well, that's too big. Well, this situation's been this way forever. Well, that person's never going to change. I don't know if I can change. We don't even make the big ask because we are not convinced of how much we can trust him, of how much he goes before us. His word says he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, some of you that have siblings, you know, when you're close with your brother, your brother will do anything for you. I'm a big sister. I would do anything for my brother or my sister that I could. We're all grown and I still would do anything that I could for them. They're my family. I love them. And when we are convinced in an even greater measure of that with our heavenly father, we can ask big without fear of reprisal. The book of James says, if you need wisdom, ask him. Just don't doubt because it says, if you doubt, you're not going to receive anything. You can make that great big ask for wisdom in your hard decisions. You don't have to stay up all night worrying what you should do and if you're going to miss God and if what people are going to think. I mean, you can stay up all night if you want to, but you could also make your big ask and go to sleep 
and trust that God will, in his infinite wisdom, do what is right and what is best for you and for your family. And truth number two, nothing is impossible when your identity is forged in Christ. All limitations, real or perceived, dissipate at the cross. I want to make this clear. I'm not saying that if we have certain limitations that those automatically, they just go away. Look at Aksa. One of her limitations was that her gender, that she's a woman. Well, that wasn't going to be changed. She's a young married woman. That was going to stay. But the limitation on having land with water, the limitation of just being perceived as a piece of property, all of those were erased. That impossibility was not impossible for her because she trusted her father to do the right thing. Likewise, when our identity is forged in Christ, and I mean forged, not just mental, I believe in you, God, but in our heart, in our decisions, in those gritty places of our lives that life gets tough, that our identity is in him, that we are not looking at our limitations, be that a physical limitation, be that in a certain area that our gender, and in some circles, you know, being woman is still less than a man, not in all circles, thankfully, but that's still there. Sometimes certain color, certain where you live, But when our identity is in Christ, we do not have to let those limitations swallow us up. We have access to the throne room of God. Imagine that. I mean, I can't probably even get into the office of somebody really important here on earth. Most of of us can't. But we can go to the throne room of God Anytime we want, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible when our identity is in Christ, fully forged. We can do all things. We can handle anything that comes our way. Trials, consequences, things that come seemingly out of the blue, all of those things. I'm not saying they'll be pleasant. It's not always a party. Look at Caleb, wandered 40 years in the desert in the heat for something he didn't do. And yet he stayed wholeheartedly devoted to God and he continued to believe that nothing would be impossible. Impossible. He continued to believe that he would see the promised land and he did. And he got an inheritance in the promised land. And he was so blessed that he was able to set up his daughter, Aksa, with his inheritance. Truth number three. Your needs are met when you make Christ your first priority. There's a lesson in this story here. Because of Aksa's relationship with her father, she was able to, even though she was a woman and considered a piece of property in this day, she was able to secure her future here on earth because she had a dad that loved her. Our needs are met when we make Christ our first priority. Matthew 6 and verse 33 says that, you know, when we seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, that all these things will be added unto us. I want to make one thing clear before we go further here. I want to separate this, your needs are met when you make Christ your first priority, from what people call the prosperity gospel, what that's been labeled. Does God want us to prosper? Of course he does. We're his children. But this idea of believing it and receiving it and blabbing it and grabbing it in a foolish, ridiculous way, you guys, that's not how faith works at all. We are not to manipulate God. He is the creator of the universe. We are made in his image. He is God. We are not. We are not to give $100 and saying, I know that I'm going to get 1000 back. I mean, if that worked, right, we would all go out and do that. No, that's not how that works. When we give out of love, faith, and obedience to God's word, of course he blesses that. But we don't give to get. We don't try to manipulate God. Well, God, I've been faithful. I've been giving and giving and giving and giving, and I expect X, Y, Z. I mean, you can stand out in your driveway all you want and believe for a Cadillac, right? But unless you, like, go get a job or have a business and start saving some money, probably the Cadillac is not just going to fall out of heaven. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. It could. It's just not likely because God, as you read the Bible, he does suddenlies. He does creative miracles. Absolutely. Most of the time, God works through processes. He teaches us how to develop self-control. We go out, we get jobs. He has a steward what he's given us, save some, spend some, invest some, give according to his word. And through that process of work and saving, we get blessed and giving, we get blessed. He doesn't, we just don't sit in the living room and say, well, drop down a million dollars. I mean, I'd love that if it happened. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. It's just not going to happen. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. So we know that work is a part of God's plan. So when I say all your needs will be met, I say that in a respectful and in a reverential way. That's the word of God. Let's just not twist it and make it out to be something that it's not. He takes care of us because he loves us. Scripture says that not even a sparrow falls to the ground, but he doesn't know. That he's got all the hairs on our head counted. He loves us. His thoughts towards us are more, it says, than the grains of sand. My goodness, if you've ever been to the beach, you know. You know full well how there is just so much sand. There is no seeming end to it. I mean, you can walk on the beach and you try to wash that sand off your feet. You still track some into the hotel room because there's just so much of it. And so that's what scripture is teaching us is his unlimited and unconditional love for us. And that when we love him back and when we make his word our, our first priority, when we make obeying him our first priority, then he says, I will take care of all of the other things. He says to us, you don't have to run around like the heathens do selling their soul for clothes, for food. No, we're the children of God. He promises to take care of us when we live our life his way. And making him our first priority is something that we all talk about, we need to do. 
the question then becomes, well, how? Like, how do I do that? It's different for all of us. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I listen to the daily audio Bible. If you listen to it every day, you've gone through the Word of God in one year. I have devotional time. I have time before I go to sleep at night in the Word. Those things may or may not work for you, but making Him our first priority means setting aside time in our day, gathering in corporate worship. All of those things are a way to make God our first priority. And His Word says, if we love Him, we obey Him. So it's not like just reading the Word, hearing the Word, going to church, done. The entire time we have to be obeying. We have to be living out His Word. And we don't have enough strength to do that on our own. We can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say a prayer for all of us right now that we can just ask the Holy Spirit to help us with these things. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. And God, I ask you for me and for everybody that's watching or listening, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would show us in a personal way how to make you and keep you our first priority so that God, as we pray and as we serve you, that we can ask big without fear, knowing that what we're asking for is your will and that it fulfills your good purpose for our lives. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you'd like the scriptures from the things that we've talked about today, we've got online extras that you can download. You just go to monicashmelter.com and I put the points and the scriptures together so that you can follow God, learn more, do a deeper study. You know, part of when we talk about praying and when we talk about asking for God's will, that can be confusing for people. Well, I want God's will, but I don't know what his will is. And I don't know. So then it stops, kind of shuts down the prayer. I want to say this about that. If you just start talking to God, honestly expressing your heart, what you have need of, and give him thanks and praise for what he's done. He's going to help you know how to pray. Romans 8 promises that, you know, the Holy Spirit prays through us with groanings and utterings that we don't even know. So we have help from the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. But even in our own words, God will help us. And I, I, I just don't want you to be afraid to pray. It's not about exactly the right words. It's not about the way that sister so-and-so prays. It's about you sharing your heart to God. And as you pray, he will lead you in your prayer life and you will know what to ask for, when to make the big ask. You will know. You will have that confirmation inside of your heart and inside of your life. I want to leave you today with today's truth. And today's truth is nothing is impossible when your identity is fully forged in Christ. God's word promises us that nothing will be impossible for us. And because we belong to him and because we're trusting him and because we're asking for his will, 
He's giving us the strength for everything that we need and the wisdom that we need. I am completely out of time. We've got to go, but I say goodbye and God bless you. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.